0: WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com.
1: Curtis Hill officially launches his re-election bid. Thousands of Indiana teachers prepare to rally at the Statehouse, plus the launch of the Indiana Citizen and more on Indiana Weekend in Review for the week ending November fifteenth, 2019.
2: Indiana Weekend in Review is made possible by the supporters of Indiana Public Broadcasting Stations and by Ice Miller. Ice Miller is a full-service law firm committed to helping clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This
1: week, Indiana Republican Attorney General Curtis Hill, who's been accused of sexual misconduct by five women, officially announced his re-election bid. In a video statement, Curtis Hill references his efforts to boost drug addiction treatment, lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies, and his numerous anti-abortion legal fights. I've stood with President Trump,
3: and I'll never back down from partisan attacks, the media, and even Republicans embarrassed to defend our values.
1: Hill's campaign launch comes amid a cloud of sexual misconduct allegations. Republican state party leaders, including Governor Eric Holcomb, have called on Hill to resign, and he's currently facing potential disciplinary action stemming from the accusations. Hill's first hurdle is the state GOP convention, where he'll have to fight for renomination against at least one candidate, Indianapolis attorney John Westerkamp. Then would come a general election race, where Democratic state Senator Karen Tallian has declared her candidacy. What is Curtis Hill's best strategy for re-election? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike O'Brien, John Schwannis, host of Indiana Lawmakers, and Nikki Kelly, statehouse reporter for the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette. I'm Indiana Public Broadcasting statehouse reporter Brandon Smith. Mike O'Brien, Hill's announcement name drops Donald Trump, makes video reference to a couple of the favorite Republican boogie women, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Nancy Pelosi. Is that the strategy for him?
4: It's a good strategy. I mean, the only woman that's uh, really a Democrat who also happens to be a woman who's more unpopular in Indiana is Hillary Clinton. And so if you bundle those <laughs> bundle those together and walk into an Indiana Republican Party convention hall, you might have a pretty good, you might have a pretty uh, receptive audience, right? Um, and that's really the strategic play here for him. I mean, it's not thinking to the general. Um, it's winning that convention hall. It's winning those, you know, winning the majority of those fifteen or 1,600 people that are going to be in that uh, convention hall in Indianapolis in June. Um the what anyone running against them um whether it's john or others uh, that that enter that race have to have to appeal to is the electability of that person that we nominate coming out of the convention and make the argument that Curtis is less electable clearly than one of these uh, that, than either uh john Westerkamp or, or one of or one of the alternatives that may get in may get in between now and uh and, and the filing deadline so it's a, it's it's the right strategy, because it, it plays to the convention crowd that you've got to win first and may only have to win. I'm, not, I'm still not yet convinced that this race is going to be on anybody's radar with impeachment and Trump and whatever that, sh- you know, whatever that show looks like at, at the national level uh, by next, by next uh, fall. I'm not sure there's going to be enough noise or, or enough air in the room to actually, for anyone to pay attention to this.
1: Nancy Pelosi and AOC have absolutely nothing to do with the race for Indiana Attorney General, but is kind of nationalizing this a little bit? going to work Look, for,
0: for Curtis Hill? Creepy Curtis has limited options here. I mean, his best option probably would be to hide, but but shame on the Republican Party if they nominate him as the next attorney general candidate for the GOP. I think that, that the, the governor needs to stand up at that convention and say, do not nominate him, okay? We do not want somebody like this as the representative of the highest uh, enforcement officer of the state of Indiana. We don't want him on the ticket. And if he doesn't stand up, that that means he tacitly condones what Curtis has done. So, you know, it's time for the GOP to, as we would say sometimes, man up and keep keep him off the ballot. And if they don't, then they are saying it's okay to have somebody who goes around groping women and then demeaning them after the fact as their nominee for attorney general. Well, and good luck selling that. we
1: nominee for president. Um, <laughs> we carved out... We carved well, out there the, is that. We carved out... Uh, we, Not highlighted, but we noted a moment uh, in the video package there where in the campaign announcement video for Curtis Hill, he reaches over and they zoom in on him grabbing a woman's hand when it's resting in her lap. In a normal campaign video, it might have looked a little awkward, but given the context of Curtis Hill, why would you put that in your campaign video?
5: You know, because he's doubling down. It's what he's done from the beginning. He's literally saying, I have done nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with me touching people, whether I ask them or not. And so he's, you know, doing that. Um, I I think it's a little odd, but um, I'm more more interested in how this convention is going to be handled because on one hand, he's got a a lot of money. But that doesn't really help in a convention sense Mm -hmm. because convention votes are about sort of personal contact and... Let's be honest. Even Curtis Hill will tell you when people meet him. He, they, they, I think, the word he used in one article was people think he's a prick. You know, he can be arrogant and condescending, and so he's got to figure out a way to translate better in person to those to those voters if he's going to well, we be can the put his arms around
0: them and touch them and stroke their backs. And he and...
1: will do that, um, and he he says he does that. So, yep. does does how. Upfront, Ann references standing up at the convention and making this, you know, saying this out loud. How upfront does Eric Holcomb, specifically Eric Holcomb and not his party people and not his his surrogates, how upfront does Eric Holcomb need to be ahead of the convention and in the convention about what he wants or doesn't want? I mean, that that is the question, it seems to me here. I suppose
3: Eric Holcomb, one would have to assume, has the juice to get him derailed. I mean, one would think. I mean, if he went to the mat and said, "This is yes, I want to be uh, elected to another term as governor, but part and parcel of that is getting rid of this person as the chief law enforcement officer of the state, chief legal officer, I should say, of the state, um, I'm going to throw everything at it. One would assume, as the titular head of the party, that 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 would uh, hold sway. The risk there, of course, is... If he loses if he loses, I mean, then it becomes I mean what an embarrassment you can imagine the stories that will be written from here to uh, general election day and beyond that here is uh, the sitting incumbent governor uh, who went to the mat, tried to to press members of his own party to fall in line behind his strategy, his request, his mission. And they rejected him. That would be well, a huge. Mitch would slack be, in be doing
0: the right thing, though. I mean, there's there is that element yeah. of this. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I
3: totally agree with that. I
4: mean, for very different reasons, right? In, in 2008, Mitch uh, Governor Daniels at the time had a uh, had a candidate for AG that didn't make didn't make it on the convention floor. And he won by 20 in November, so I don't think it's. Yeah. I think these are, I don't think people have long memories on these But this, but but this it is, is also thing to but do. This,
1: this one is going to be a little different because of sure. the nature of why he doesn't sure. want Sure. And, and, and if he
0: doesn't does. do anything, that's the risk it seems to me for him. Yeah. Because then he gets labeled yeah. with that same brush.
1: All right. Well, more but than he's on, come out, I mean,
4: he has come out and reiterated. and reiterated in the last 24 right. hours right. again yeah, that, still that has he to believes stop he, stop he should resign
1: or and not be the attorney general. More than 100 Indiana school districts are canceling classes next week as Hoosier teachers prepare to rally at the statehouse on the General Assembly's organization day. Some districts canceled school outright. Others are setting Tuesday as a teacher development day, while still other districts are designating them as e-learning days, with students expected to work from home over the Internet. The Organization Day event is not the first major rally for teachers at the Statehouse this year. Teachers' efforts to draw more attention to school funding and the needs of classrooms have been ongoing, with a rally in March and other red-for-ed events in local communities. This month, as lawmakers gear up for the legislative session starting in January, the Indiana State Teachers Association is focused on three key issues, repealing new career awareness licensing rules for educators, avoiding penalties for schools and teachers because of low ILEARN scores, and using some state surplus money to better fund schools. And Delaney, we'll talk obviously about the rally next week after it happens. But I want to ask ahead of time: Is it okay for all of these schools to be canceling classes, even though some are doing these e- e-learning days? But generally, is it okay that they're canceling classes so teachers can go to a rally in Indianapolis? I, I think
0: teachers have to go to the rally in Indianapolis. They've tried reasoning with the legislature; it's gotten them absolutely nowhere. I mean, you've got you've got a situation where when the property tax freeze was put on, okay. They were assured that the legislature would properly fund education. They broke that promise. The legislature and the Republican Party and the governor broke that promise. We're at the bottom, the bottom in teacher raises and in teacher compensation, and the result of that is we have teachers leaving the profession left and right. We have nobody applying basically to education schools anymore, and we have a real problem in Indiana. We have some school districts that can pay enough, but we have a lot of school districts that can't and the result of that is we're losing qualified teachers and less qualified people will apply to go to school there because because this isn't a profession that compensates based on the amount of effort and work that go into it they have to get attention they need to do what tennessee uh, what kentucky did and come out in mass and tell the republican party that either they fix this and they fix it now or they're going to have political trouble
1: is this message blunted by some people getting to say well I mean, you're canceling, you're not even educating your students to come and rally at the State House.
4: There may be some gripes about that, but I don't, I don't think it's inappropriate to, oh one, I mean, I think every school district is handling it the way they need to handle it. If These, te- these teachers have a right and really an obligation to, to go defend what, what they believe is um, the right message here in, in support of their, their profession. And if that means that you shorthanded a school and they can't figure, it, they can't cover it, they can't cover the you know the vacancies, and they then they have to close necessarily. But um, look, I mean, I think the message has been received by by Republicans since Governor Olcum took office. There's 1.2 billion dollars in new uh, dollars in education. It's over 50 percent of the budget. So every tax dollar comes in, the first 50 52 cents is spent on uh, K twelve education. Um, you know, and so and they've focused on this. Now there are some other things that need to happen. They, they they've already administratively suspended the penalties on I which is one of the priorities here. This request to spend the surplus is a pipe dream that la- that has a really short time frame on it. When the money's doesn't, gone, and you no, and you can't doesn't. replace it. No, it
0: doesn't. You know, you raise, it, you lose, you know you how to replace it. You know how to replace it. You just don't want to replace it. No, you don't raise them. You just, you just, stop, them just them out. stop. You just leave them you high. Just stop phasing. <laughs> not high. You stop phasing them out.
1: In terms of in terms of this being the time to rally we've talked about this before if you do a rally on a weekend when everybody's available nobody's paying attention at the state house right
3: exactly i mean that's the tree falling in the forest and nobody hears it kind of situation this people will hear it they will notice it they will see it they will feel it because of the congestion of people literally, p- literally yeah. packed into that uh, the building i'm sure the, the air conditioner will be on despite whatever cold uh, temperature is is in the air just to keep it cool with that many people in the building Uh, You know some districts are calling this e-learning day as you had mentioned. I think you could that e stands for exasperation and we've seen And teachers themselves have said uh, not only within the organizations not only within the unions But just rank-and-file teachers said, you know, we've been patient. We have been Wanting things to happen. We we sat through last session and yes, there was more money a little for, for uh, education, but education generally. Salaries. But again, we, get into, that, in we get into the same put situation about it. whether it can be forced, uh, schools can be forced or not, which gets into a whole issue of local control. Well,
0: you can do incentives.
3: It, it, there can be, I suppose, incentives. Evidence, but it is exasperation, place. and, but not and I money. think this is the time to get attention. Again, it's, it's, we've talked in the earlier topic about short memory and sustainability for say curtis hills campaign and the, ch- and the challenges against him this too is a, is a question of sustainability and visibility yeah it'll be the st- dominant story guaranteed in you know wednesday mornings editions of every paper in the state and on newscasts oh, so tuesday no. evening uh... there are that many now <laughs> uh... but but will it be every day after that right. up until opening day and beyond how well, much
1: it is the may message not be the only rally how much of the message because you know i i, I try to as much as I can, I, I, you, you watch some of the conversation about this happen on like social media and things, and some of the things that you see non-teachers, non-educators say is, well. You know, they're canceling classes so they can go and just they want more money for themselves. But their message goes way beyond just oh, teacher does. raising. There
5: are some additional issues that they are bringing up. Teacher ra- teacher pay is obviously, I would say the The most significant one and has been discussed but they are also looking at teacher licensing requirements that have been changed and added to at a time when teachers are already kind of overwhelmed with that stuff they're looking at the accountability system Uh, we obviously know that iLearn scores dropped precipitously we're holding harmless on them so they still get raises things like that so there are other things they want to talk about uh, you know, and they want lawmakers to hear them. And I and think they, it's
0: a good call for them to
5: be there on that
0: day. And they want the lawmakers to get out of the business of the day-to-day of education because every time they put their fingers in it, they mess it up. And they have repeatedly for years changing every year or every other year. You want I them also out of the
5: day-by-day, day, but you want
0: them to, uh, like pick the pay? I well, think, I, think it does I don't want feel them to a pick like the pay. I don't want them to pick the pay. Just I want pay them to, to provide the money, which is what they promised when they put the property tax freeze in. All
1: right. Well, time now for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question... Are school districts right to cancel classes so teachers can attend a rally at the Statehouse? A, yes, or B, no. Last week's question, is Roger Penske buying the IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway a good thing? 85% of you are happy about it. You say yes, 15% say no. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Well, the newest Indiana Civic Health Index emphasizes the state's poor voter engagement, and a new nonprofit wants to help turn that around. Indiana consistently ranks in the bottom ten of states for voter registration and turnout, and state leaders, like former Indiana Chief Justice Randall Shepard and former Attorney General Greg Zeller, say better civic education is a vital remedy. Ann and Bill Morrow are hoping to provide that remedy. The Morrow's longtime staffers for Birch and Evan Bay, have launched the Indiana Citizen, an online voter resource. With support from other high-profile Hoosier politicos, including major GOP donor Bob Grand and former Todd Young campaign manager Trevor Fowdy, the Indiana citizen is meant to help people register to vote and learn more about who's on their ballot. The site, which is still a work in progress, links to voter registration and will have a news and commentary section. Nikki Kelly, a worthwhile goal to be sure. I, I, I would hope that everybody can agree to that. But can the Indiana citizen be effective at it?
5: And I hope so because nothing's working. I mean, you know, and to be fair, I mean, I do put a lot of this responsibility on voters. I mean, they have to care enough to ferret out and look for information. And, you know, people are too busy sharing memes and, you know, tweeting than to actually do research and learn about issues. One way I think this group could help, as well as the media doing a better job at this, I'll put myself in here, is to show more how government really impacts your everyday life. You know, what you're paying at the bmv or you know whether your street has a stoplight or a you know light I mean, all those decisions are made at the government level and people need to you know get more involved in sort of down at the grassroots and maybe care a little less about the federal stuff frankly
1: yeah that, that's that 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 always strikes a chord with me and you hear it from from state and local lawmakers who who get civic complaints about issues that they have no control over whatsoever um, They they talked at the Civic Health Index uh, presentation, and Bill Morrow, as part of this, has talked about the need for better civic education, certainly in our schools, but really across the board for every age group. Um, Is this, at least, it's not a magic bullet. No one would say that it is. But does this feel like it can be effective?
3: Well, broken record here. I I applaud everything that, that Nikki said. Let's hope so. Let's all join hands and say we hope so because it's not... I mean, it's, when we're the worst in the country, or one of the worst in the country, that's bad enough. But when you look at the rest of the country and they stink as well, I mean, it's it's like <laughs> nobody's good here. Right, right. Uh, so we have a nationwide problem. It just happens to be particularly egregious in Indiana, and it and it leads to all sorts. You can you can plot draw a line from lack of civic participation, going to the polls, being engaging in in city council meetings to a lack of attention to health issues, to the way one maintains his or her own health, and and it just sort of neighborhood activism, and it just erodes. And and what is left if we don't have an informed and engaged electorate society? Uh, So let's hope, I think uh, Bill and Ann Morrow should be applauded, and we can all... Do our part to uh, support this.
1: Now, I asked Bill, you know, is this group going to get behind, like, uh, things at the State House? Because there are policy things you could do to try and increase voter registration at the very, very minimum. And he said, no, that's not what we're about. We're trying to educate voters. That is our mission. They'll raise money for that, a statewide communications campaign, potentially. But should there also be somewhat of a focus on, a greater focus on policy solutions that could be enacted at the State House?
4: Maybe eventually. I mean, it's the bipartisan group, right? Um, and Bill morrow has been—I used to work with him—and he's—he's um, been around this business a long time. He knows it inside and out. But I think, for I think he's right, if in, in that answer, um, you know, I'm reminded of Lee Hamilton—or uh, yeah, Lee Hamilton's book. I think the title of it was "How Congress Works and Why You Should Care." It was just like a very like, here's why you should care about this. To Nikki's point, right? Um, and st- you have to start there. And if you can, if you can help people understand, here's how this process is organized. I mean, that's what I do for a living, right? I'm, I'm not like a, some policy wonk, really. I kind of, I'm around it so I can memorize it, but, um, but mostly I'm a process guy. I understand how the process, the, the governmental process and how the, the intersection of the private sector and the public sector is complicated. Um, and you have to understand what, how all that fits together, and I think that's the, the goal of this group. I think it's great, and I hope they are successful.
1: Yeah. How, how effective can, can this be?
0: Oh, I think it can be effective. We, Ed and I have put money in it because we think it can be effective. I, do I think it's, as you said, the panacea? No, but it is an important first step to have one location where you can put your address in and find out who represents you on every level and information about those people yeah. so that you can no longer say, I don't know. You can form opinions. So I think that's an important first step. And then the Barr Foundation is partnering with this group, too, because one of the things we have to do is better civic education starting in grade school. Um, And if we can do that and raise the thing, then we can talk about other policy changes. But if you want to get above 50 percent of the vote, you've got to go to states that that allow registration up to the time of the election. We shut it off just when most people, not groupies, but most people are paying (laughs) attention, right? And we shut off registration then. There yeah, are things we can do. Certainly not viewers of this program. But. Well, yeah. I mean, there are things that we could do legislatively, but I think this is the important grassroots, ground-level step to get to where we need to go next. And the more you push
3: in terms of the kinds of reform measures that you address, the more you run a risk of being seen right. as not a bipartisan or, non right. let's say, nonpartisan right. Right. operation, and you run afoul of, of um, of the some, force, of, the some of the constituents
1: yeah. you need to make this work. Well, more Hoosiers approve of President Trump's job performance than disapprove, according to the latest edition of Ball State's Hoosier Survey, a poll of 600 Indiana adults. President Trump came out ahead in the poll, better than results in many other states and nationally. Ball State political scientist Charles Taylor notes Trump did win Indiana in 2016 by 19 points. That gives him a lot of room um, in 2020, even if his support erodes some. The numbers are a lot closer on the impeachment inquiry against Trump. More people polled say they disapprove of it, but it's within the margin of error. Taylor says, though, that could change. What happens in this you know, public phase of um, the impeachment debate in, in the House and the sort of news coverage that gets and how people react to that? The survey polled adults generally, not registered or likely voters, as political parties and campaigns often do. John Schwannis, if you're a Hoosier Republican on the ballot next year, are you looking at these numbers as good news? I I think, generally speaking, they confirm that uh,
3: what we already knew, which is that Indiana still is a Republican-leaning state, generally speaking. If I were a candidate on the statewide uh, ticket, though, I would take even more encouragement not from the trump numbers but from some of the other issues that on which uh... The, the researchers polled you know how is indiana doing in terms of economic development and growth and the recruitment of of companies and jobs high marks there that's that's yeah. good And i do think people tend still to vote with their their wallets and their and their purses so that's good news you also look and, and i guess this is maybe uh... you have to really kind of uh, Go uh, go pretty close into the nitty gritty here to get at this, but the General Assembly is not even as disliked as much as (laughs) it. How's that for it's not they're not beloved, but this is the best numbers. This is the best numbers that they've had, I think, since the poll was launched uh, more than ten years ago. So so the bottom line is, if the state General Assembly is at least not hated and seems to be working, and it usually is a favorite whipping boy, uh, and and the state is getting high marks for job growth and economic development. I think that situates you pretty well.
1: Obviously, you never read too much into one poll, and and campaigns, particularly at a high level, have their own polling, of course, that they do, that looks at more specific populations. But if you're looking at these numbers, it it pretty much tells you that, yeah, it's about where we thought it was.
5: Yeah, I didn't see anything massively surprising in there. I mean, kudos to President Trump for still being you know, approved of even in the middle of an impeachment trial. I don't know how often you can (laughs) see that. But, uh, you know, so I I think it's generally where we are. And I think, yeah, people will be drilling down further. But obviously more of the likely voters, you know, when you drill down closer, you'll see more impact as far as elections.
1: The impeachment number, the one thing that caught me caught my eye was Democrats and Republicans are exactly where you expect them to be. Democrats love impeachment, Republicans hate it. Independents are right, right down, down, the, down middle. the middle. And that's before the public part of the process plays that's out. Right. That's right. Is that, if you're a Hoosier Republican again, that's is worrisome. that troubling?
0: That is worrisome. Because I remember back when Nixon, when the impeachment with Nixon started, there wasn't overwhelming support among the populace for that impeachment no. inquiry before it accelerated and he got out of office with ninety percent. Is that part old, of the 70%. poll
4: giving you a little pause? I think there's a lot of good news in here. I think the I think the marks for Indiana, just generally, people's experience and how they're living in Indiana, if you look at look at those various metrics, those were all positive. The governor's got a net thirty yeah. plus thirty-two fave unfave. I mean a, in in, th- a th- in this and a third, polarized you'll know who he time. is still all so, right, yeah. we'll,
1: Finally, the University of Evansville Purple Aces men's basketball team upset number one Kentucky this week in Lexington. That's the third biggest upset in all of college basketball over the last 15 seasons. Mike O'Brien, will this be the biggest win any Indiana <laughs> men's basketball team has this season, whether at the college or pro level?
4: I, th- I think so, but I'd be, I'd be fine with everyone beating Kentucky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that is that something that all of Indiana, oh, except for maybe hey, right down never on the river? they
0: play a Kentucky team again. The last time they were number one, they came to, to oh, that's, all, right. That's, right. Them. They that's right. and were beaten there. They're just, just going to stop, they stop they come back. back. Come come back. From so it's the, it's the biggest win until IU uh, wins the NCAA. Okay. That'll no. be a while. I'm not no. Hopefully in my it. lifetime. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> this year. Yeah.
1: I'm not so sure
0: about that. I'm not, no, at least not wagering on that, as
1: I'm, I'm it. now legally allowed to do. That's Indiana <laughs> Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike O'Brien, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and Nikki Kelly of the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at WFYI.org slash IWIR. Or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Infinity and on the WFYI app. I'm Brandon Smith of Indiana Public Broadcasting. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana week.
2: Indiana Weekly in Review is made possible by the supporters of Indiana Public Broadcasting Stations and by Ice Miller. Ice Miller is a full service law firm committed to helping clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at Icemiller.com. The opinions expressed are solely those of the panelists. Indiana Weekly in Review is a WFYI production in association with Indiana Public Broadcasting Stations.